Well, we've had a wonderful weekend, had a conference. Who here came to the, the conference yesterday? Okay, good smattering of, of folk here. So, um, Tanya will be um, no stranger to those of us who came along yesterday to hear her speak. We had a wonderful time. Um, not just meeting Tanya, but being encouraged in the area of hearing the voice of God. And as I said yesterday, we'd really been praying into that moment, both the conference and this morning. Um, Tanya, and I'll introduce her probably in a moment, uh, is speaking and then also launching into a seven-week course this coming term, really around that whole area of both the, um, the priority but the privilege it is that God is a God who speaks. And we are, as his children, um, both in need, but also have the opportunity to be led by his spirit. And for some of us, that comes very naturally. For others of us, it's helpful to have some some tools and some framework around that. And more than just teaching a place, uh, I think in Tanya's own words, um, an intentional facilitating of God conversations. I love that phrase. That's great. Of intentionally making room for us to hear God's voice, both individually but also as a, uh, a church family. So it's been great already to see what the Lord has done. As I said, Tanya is going to speak this, this morning as well, and then there is a course that you can register and be a part of. And I'd love to see everybody and anybody there. It's not just for a certain group of people, those who feel that they're prophetically gifted. It really is something that I would encourage everybody from the church um, to come along and to be a part of. Well, here's a little blurb, and I'll just read it, excuse me, um, to introduce Tanya, who's coming to speak this morning. Otherwise, I'll forget something if I had to leave. So, Tanya Harris is a pastor, practical theologian, author, broadcaster, and the founding director of God Conversations, a global ministry that equips people to recognize and respond to God's voice. And I can tell you, having had conversations with her, there's many other aspects to her ministry and her impact as well as that. She has a diverse history as a church planner, pastor, lecturer. She ministers across the globe to all traditions and age groups and is a popular voice on radio and TV in Australia, New Zealand and the UK. Tanya consults with denominations and movements and trains ministers in spirit-led discipleship and the development of church cultures that facilitate hearing God experiences, her publications, podcasts, academic research and books, God Conversations, the church who hears God's voice, hearing God's voice towards the theology, all aim to equip everyone to recognize the spirit in the context of their local church. Take a breath. We're doing all right. It's a long little, little blurb bio. Um, she's also an ordained minister with the Australian Christian Churches and comes from Sydney, Australia. So it's a wonderful list of accolades, but more than that, it's just been wonderful getting to know her and to hear her heart for the Lord, and we really are blessed by you coming along yesterday and this morning. So would you welcome her? You can stand up and holler and do whatever you want as she comes to share this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, the most right Reverend Andrew Baker. Most holiness and great one. <laughs> How are you, Vision Church? Oh, I feel like I'm at home now. Hands up if you were here yesterday. Thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing here at Vision Church, and I was so privileged to get to know many of you, and I'm excited to be here this morning. Wonderful to meet Andrew and Ali and some of their tribe, and also enjoy Catherine and the team here, and I want to say thank you for having me and looking after myself, and Jenny is my faithful EA as well. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, my journey has been an unusual one. It all kind of started at a beach in New Zealand at 21 years of age when I was facing a crossroads. You know, just before you hit that age, life is fairly well prescribed for you. You go to school, then you go from primary school to secondary school, and then some of us go to university. But then you hit that kind of period when you go, now what? And I had been raised in Christianity all my life. And I remember thinking, what difference does it make now? You see, I had learned a lot about God. I knew lots of the Bible. I could even recite hundreds of verses in the King James Version. I knew whole books of the Bible. And I remember meeting a friend at university, and her name was Jill. And she was a Christian too, but she spoke very differently about her faith. She talked about God speaking to her. And I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. Imagine having a personal conversation with the creator of the universe. Like, what would God say? The one who knows all about me all about my past, all about the possibilities of my future, what I'm thinking right now. What would God say? And I thought if I could really hear his voice, that would be worth something, wouldn't it? But I had a whole stack of questions. I'm a natural skeptic. I'm a bit of a thinker, a bit of a left brain analytical person. I'm the one who always goes up to the pastor and goes, are you sure about that? So, you know, I came to God and I said, okay, God, here we go. Let's have a go and see if this works. I'm going to listen for God to speak to me. So I prayed a prayer. I said, God, speak to me. And if you do, by the way, can you make it really clear? Like none of the fuzzy-wuzzy mystical stuff, you know. It needs to be clear. And if you make it clear, I will do whatever you say. I was laughing too. (laughs) Not. Well, the story goes that God did speak and he made it clear. And then I had to do what he said, which was not what I wanted, or at least I thought, because I started out my working career as a PE teacher teaching kids how to play football, the real kind of football. As I saw our Richmond supporter, who was that last yesterday, wearing the Richmond shirt, which was beautiful. None of that rugby stuff. I know I was raised in Melbourne. We're the home of real football. But anyway, I I was a PE teacher, and at the age of 26, God called me into ministry, which was a bit confusing to me because my background said that people like me, i.e. female, couldn't be a minister. And then I was involved in all sorts of different ministries. And then afterwards, God spoke to me and said, Tanya, your job is to take everything you have learned about hearing my voice and pass it on to other people. And so the Ministry of God Conversations was born. We've been going now for about 15 years, teaching people how to hear the voice of the Spirit. And you know, having experimented with this and seeing how it works, I I prayed that prayer. One of the reasons I prayed it, because I wanted to see the tangible reality of God. I had never seen it before. God was a bit of a theory. And I started to see the supernatural hand of God manifest in my life, which was pretty cool. 
And I started to experience some of the things I'd seen in the Bible. But there was also one outcome that surprised me in that whole process. And that was the way I began to know God. You see, before hearing God's voice for myself, I knew a lot about God. I knew about God in the same way that you might know the King of England through the pages of a magazine. See, because you could know a lot about old King Charlie and his love of the environment. You could know he's had two sons and a bit of a rocky love life. You could know all these things. But unless you sat down with King Charles and had a cup of tea, you wouldn't really know him personally, would you? Well, I discovered in hearing God's voice for myself that the biggest difference was that I began to know God for myself. I began to discover what it meant to know God. See, we talk about a personal relationship with God in church a lot, don't we? But what does that actually mean? How do we, how do we actually experience that? So that's what I want to talk about this morning. The knowable God. How does that sound? Awesome. Before we start... Um, I also want to give away some resources. Um, We've got some left over from yesterday, and I want to give some away. These are all designed to help you hear God's voice. And if you're really interested in this subject and knowing about it more, jump on our website, godconversations.com, and you'll find a whole lot of podcasts and videos and articles there that will help you recognize and respond to the voice of God. But we've got one book here. This is called God Conversations, very originally titled Stories of How God Speaks and What Happens When We Listen. It's a little bit of my story about hearing God's voice and it's kind of a fun read. So I'm going to give this to the person in the room who is the newest to Vision Church. Hands up if you've just joined Vision Church. Oh, there we go. Are you a reader? Can you? Oh, Excellent. Come up. You can get this one's for you. And what's your name? Elliot, if you, if you want to, I will sign it afterwards and it'll be worth a lot more one day. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, that's it. Um, we've also got a few, um, a few of these left. They're called CDs. Um, those of you who are over 40 might know these. Um, they go really well in vintage cars, okay? So this one, <laughs> I'm going to give one of these away. Let's see, who has a vintage car? Um, if you are <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, the beautiful Karen. Would you like one? Would you, why, which one would you like? When God is silent or how do I know it's God? Oh, yeah, that was easy, wasn't it? How do you go? Come running. I know. My EA, Jenny, she's like, what's a CD? This is embarrassing. Why do we have a CD? She's 30-something. I mean, she's young and beautiful. (laughs) All right. If you are interested in any of those resources, go and visit Jenny out in the cafe afterwards, and hopefully they will encourage you in your walk with God. So, Father, we come to you this morning, and such a joy to gather with your people. And Father, we come to worship you, we come to meet with you, we come to encounter you, we come to know you more. And God, the act of gathering is an act of faith, it's an act of hunger. God, we want to know you more. 
So this morning we just position our hearts. We open up our spiritual ears. We open up our spiritual eyes. And we say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? Will you make it clear? And then help us to follow. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. (laughs) In August 2019, a group of archaeologists made a shocking discovery. On the northern coast of Peru, beneath a lonely area of desert sands, they discovered the largest child burial site ever found. Beneath the sand were the skeletons of 227 children aged between 4 and 14. On unearthing the skeletons, the archaeologists realised that they had all been brutally killed and ritually killed at the same time. The archaeologists surmised that these people had done this because the area was subject to the weather effects of El Nino and that this weather event would often come in and destroy the villages with landslides and flooding. And according to their understanding, this tribe, which believed in many gods, in fact, they believed that the gods controlled different parts of nature. And each god was allocated to a different feature. For example, if you wanted to do well in life and you wanted to have good crops, you would pray to the god who looked after the weather. If you were wanting a child and you wanted to be fertile, you would pray to the fertility god. The way to do well in life was to keep the gods happy. And you would read the circumstances and you would try and understand what was going on around you. And then you would try and understand what the gods were doing. And then in response to that, you would try and alleviate any anger or angst that they had. And the way you did that is you would pray or you would come to the altar with your offerings, something precious to you, perhaps some food from your crops, perhaps some precious jewellery, or if you were really desperate you might bring your children. And the archaeologists surmised that this was what was happening on this terrible day around 600 years ago. The villagers were faced with an impossible choice, either to see devastation of their village or to present their children. It's horrific, isn't it? Why am I telling you this story? on a Sunday morning. Well, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because the worldview of the Chamu people in Peru is not that different from the ancient world of the Old Testament, of the Bible. And it's when we understand the backdrop of this tribal culture, of this time when people believed in many gods who controlled what was happening in the earth, that we can fully understand what the creator God is like. See, there's a very famous story, you may have heard it, that took place in the early days of ancient Israel. It involves a man who was a famous prophet. His name was Elijah. And he had just faced off in a great competition between the gods 
of Baal, the ones that were worshipped by the people around, and the God of the heavens and earth, the one God. In Hebrew, his name is Yahweh. And it was a competition to see who was the most powerful. The one God who was the strongest would answer by fire. Do you know who won? It was Yahweh, wasn't it? Well, this made the prophets of Baal and the king and queen of Israel at the time, Ahab and Jezebel, who were voting for Baal, this made them very angry. And they began to pursue Elijah and he ran for his life. And we find him running away to a mountain and to a cave where he hides himself. He's depressed. He's alone. He's in fear of his life. And then we get this moment where God says to Elijah, it's here that I'm going to reveal myself. The question is, how does he do it? You may know the story, there's a mighty wind and it shatters the rocks. But God wasn't in the wind. And then there was a powerful earthquake that shook the mountains. But God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a fire. But God wasn't in the fire. How did the God of heaven and earth choose to reveal God's self to everyone? He spoke in a voice. A voice that spoke to Elijah about his situation. Where the voice knew what Elijah was feeling. Where the voice knew what had happened in his life and could speak into his future. This voice that was deeply personal. This is the way that God revealed himself. We've already seen his power, you see. You think back to the fact that God had already showed himself. In fire. And in fact, what we see throughout biblical history is that this is the mark of what the gods look like a theophany. The gods showed themselves with acts of power and fire and wind and earthquake, and God had already done that at Mount Sinai. But in this moment, God reveals his personhood. Can you see the difference? Yes, God is powerful, but God is deeply personal. And the way that we know that is because God speaks. And it's this attribute of his nature that makes him knowable. You think about it. How do we know people? How do we get to know someone? We communicate, don't we? Through language, through speaking. It's how we get to know each other. Have you ever had a kind of a a relationship with someone who does all the talking and you don't get a word in? Don't laugh too loud. No nudging of the elbows. Yeah? It's a two-way communication here. And what we see is this God defines himself through speech. In fact, every incident in the Old Testament where the Spirit of God is mentioned, it's always about God speaking. God's doing a lot of talking. (laughs) 
And it's the way that we know him. You think about what that's like in real life with little children. You know, when they come as babies and they're super cute and they goo and they gar and they gargle and, you know, what is it about humans that we make those noises back to? But the exciting bit is when they start to talk back. Can you tell I haven't had children? They start to talk back and you get to know them right you get to know what their personalities are like and that they really are like their father. <laughs> well, the same is true of God. We know God because God speaks. We see God conversations all through the scriptures, all through biblical history. We see God having conversations with Adam and Eve and Moses and Abraham and Elijah and Zechariah and Jeremiah. It's so common that we almost overlook it. We have a knowable God. And of course, we come through the period of history where God has been doing a lot of speaking, mostly to the prophets. The prophets were specially chosen people who would hear God's voice and then they would pass the message on to the people. And they looked forward to a time when things would change and where God would be able to speak to everyone and everyone would hear it. And we see the course of history change when Jesus enters the world. We see how knowable God is because God sends his son who comes as a first century Jewish man dressed in first century clothing and using first century language, the language of the people and walking and talking to people and getting to know them. This incarnation of God, the word in the flesh, the message of God in the flesh. Through everything Jesus said, But not just everything Jesus said, but everything Jesus did. The living word of God, knowable by the way that he communicated with everyone around him. And so we see that God was speaking in every word Jesus spoken and God was speaking in every action that he took. The way he gathered the children on his lap, God was speaking. The way Jesus touched the leper that no one else would touch, God was speaking. The way Jesus refused to throw rocks at the woman caught in adultery, God was speaking. The way he stretched out his arms and he died on a cross, God was speaking. The knowable God in Jesus. Wouldn't you love to sit down and have a coffee with Jesus? That would be good, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have any problems about hearing God's voice because he'd be sitting right there in front of you. God, make it clear. Well, here you go. I often think about what it would have been like to be one of the early disciples, hey? How good to be around Jesus for three years, getting to know God in the flesh. And then I also wonder how it would have felt for when Jesus made that startling announcement, hey, guys, I've got to go. Go where? What do you mean you've got to go? You can't leave. How are we going to hear your voice? And then what does Jesus say? It is for your good. It will be better if I go. What? How? Because if I go, I will send you my spirit. And my spirit will speak to you. And my spirit will remind you of everything that I have said. 
My spirit will remind you of what God is like in me. My spirit will remind you about what salvation looks like. My spirit will remind you of what the kingdom of God is like. My spirit will remind you of all those things. Now recorded for us in scripture, the spirit will remind you. Make that truth come alive in your heart so that you will know it. But I've got so much more to tell you. But don't worry. I'm going to send you my spirit. And my spirit will continue to speak to you about all those things that I have to say. You can't handle it right now. I can't tell you everything that you need to know. But don't worry, my spirit's going to speak to you about things to come. Those questions, those issues that are going to come up in your life, my spirit's going to speak to you. That you will know me in every situation that you find yourself Well, then, of course, Jesus did leave. He died on a cross. He was resurrected, and then he ascended to heaven. The disciples saw him go, and then they waited for the promise to come. This promise had been made by Jesus, but not only Jesus, all the ones who had gone before the prophets who had spoken of a day when the Spirit would come on everyone. And they would all have access to his voice. And on that very special day, the day of Pentecost, 120 disciples were gathered, waiting for the moment. And finally, it came. There were many miraculous things that happened that day when the Spirit was poured out. Miracles of supernatural languages, physical manifestations of the Spirit in their midst. But then amongst it all, the Apostle Peter stands up and he preaches this first sermon and he explains the significance of that moment. And do you know what his words were? He said this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel and many others too, that my spirit will be poured out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams. What was Peter saying? Well, under the old covenant, the prophets would largely hear God's voice in dreams and visions, kind of a picture language that God would speak in. And then they would pass on or prophesy the message to the people. In this moment, Peter was saying that now, today, The Spirit is on everyone. And everyone has the capacity to have visions and dreams, to hear God's voice for themselves in this powerful picture language, but in every other form that God could speak in. And then to speak those words out, to live according to them, or to pass on the message if it's for somebody else, to prophesy. Everyone now has that capacity. He uses a Hebrew parallelism. Have you seen in your Bibles how it's kind of arranged in a poetic way? Because Peter's saying sons and daughters, young and old, male and female, everyone now has access to this voice of the Spirit. Everyone can now know God for themselves. The knowable God... In the spirit. And that's exactly what happens. 
Because as the early church begins to take on Jesus' commission to go out into all the world and share the good news, to follow the call of God, they hear from God for themselves. They hear Holy Spirit talking to them, reminding them of the truths of Jesus as the word of God spread far and wide and people began to know what it meant to know God through Jesus. And then we see the Spirit speaking about things to come, those things that Jesus didn't talk about when he was on earth. For example, when Peter was looking at how to build the church, the Spirit's telling him to include Gentiles in the mix. When Philip's going along a road, the Holy Spirit talks to him about how to share his faith with an Ethiopian eunuch. When the church is gathered in Antioch and trying to work out how to expand the mission, Holy Spirit speaks to them about who to send out. When Paul's sitting with his map and he's going, I don't know which direction to go in, God, on this missionary journey, the Holy Spirit says, go, go west, young man. I just mixed up my east and my west. Is there anyone else who has that problem? (laughs) Holy Spirit speaking to Paul about his thorn in the flesh. Ouch, God, why don't you heal me? Why? Because my grace is sufficient for you. Holy Spirit speaking to John and the seven churches of Asia Minor about how to live under the pressure of the Greco-Roman Empire that looked so strong and wealthy and powerful and had the ability to crush the movement of Christianity. See, the Holy Spirit speaking about things to come. The Spirit that was given to the 120 disciples. But then Peter reminds them that this promise was not just for them. The end of Acts chapter 2, in verse 39, he says, this promise is for you and your children and your children after them. It's not just for you assembled in Jerusalem, but for those in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even to Canberra in the 21st century. The Spirit is for us. Everyone who chooses to follow Jesus, God is saying, I'm giving you the Spirit, and it is better than having the living, breathing Jesus with you. Because my spirit is no longer limited by a physical body. My spirit goes with you wherever you go. So you could be going to work one morning and the spirit speaks to you. You could be in a family situation and the spirit speaks to you. You could be looking at your bank accounts and the spirit speaks to you. You could be sleeping at night and the spirit speaks to you. Wherever you go, the continuing voice of Jesus telling you how to live, walking with you as a friend, as Jesus said. It's the life of a Christian that we can know God through the Spirit. How incredibly exciting. What a privilege. I remember understanding this for the first time, going, really, God? So what does that look like in my life? What does it mean to be walking with the Holy Spirit? I remember in those early years, God had spoken to me about being in ministry and I wondered how that was going to happen. I I had no idea. What did that mean? What does that mean I have to do? How how does that work? At the time, I just moved to a, a, a church that was fairly small, but it was a good, thriving church. And I remember joining that community and God saying to me, it's here that my plans are going to unfold. 
And you're going to be mentored by the pastor here. You're going to be raised up in leadership and you're going to work here one day a week at the church. Okay. That sounds good. How is that going to happen? How, how, How does this work? Do, do I need to volunteer for the pastor's children to babysit them? Is that what I'm doing? No, no, I know. I need to sit up the front, wear a really bright shirt so that she notices me. Yeah? A few weeks later at a church service, we were having a prayer time at the close and I was just praying there and just waiting on God and my pastor came up to me and said, Tanya, God has spoken to me. He's asked me to mentor you, to raise you up in leadership here and so that you can work here one day a week at the church. Wow. The week after I that's what I was doing. And I started to understand what it meant to hear the voice of God because before I knew that God had good plans for us. I knew that God has plans for all of us, not to harm us, but to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. I'd read about that in Jeremiah. I believed it was true. But after hearing God's voice, I realized that God had plans for me, plans not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. Can you see? The difference? See, this is what it means to know God personally. To understand that God speaks to us individually. It is always true that God is good and kind and loving and sovereign. These are the unshakable truths of God. And we read about those in scripture. But God also wants you to know his love for you, his sovereignty in your life, his goodness to you. And he does that through revealing himself relationally, through his communication, through the voice of the Spirit. It's good news, isn't it? Well, of course, then how do we get better at this? How do we access this? That's always a question, isn't it? We talked a little bit about this yesterday, and in fact... The course that's coming up in this term is going to help more with this as well. And I encourage you to prioritize that in your diary. The voice of God is so powerful and so beautiful. It will change your life. And Pastor Andrew and the team have created space for this for you to host it. So I encourage you to come along to that. But I want us to understand our starting point here how do we hear the voice of God? Is it, is it a skill I need to learn? Is it about saying the right things and doing the right things? Is, is, that, is that it? Do I need to be a Christian for a long time before I can hear the voice of God? Is, is that it? Do I need to have the kind of personality where, you know, I go up to a mountaintop and pray for five hours? Is that, is that it? What, what is it? What do I need to do to hear the voice of God? Well, I want to answer that question with a story about a man called Brian. He lives in a coastal town in the South Island of New Zealand. 
He's a middle-aged guy. He's got the salt and pepper hair. He's a bit of a surfer type. And one morning as he was going about his daily activities, Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Brian, I want you to make the bed. What? Wait, wait, let me make the bed. No, 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 no. Lisa, my wife, she makes the bed. It's okay. We got this, God. No problem. Brian, I want you to make the bed. No, no, Lisa, my wife, she makes the bed. It's it's very complicated. There's lots of pillows and cushions. Lisa makes the bed. Brian, I want you. Okay. Brian goes to his wife. Honey, I think God's calling me to make my bed. Can, Can you please... Can you please show me how how it's done? So she does. It's very intricate. It's very strategic in its positioning of the cushions and the angles that are required as well as the throw rug and the proportions that are there. And, of course, there needs to be no wrinkles at the the end of the process. Brian's first attempt is a bit of a disaster. But the next day it gets better. And the next day after that it... He's improving. Six months later, he's really good at making the bed. And God speaks to him. Brian, now that you have learnt to serve your wife, I want you to serve the church. And Brian was given the opportunity to be the senior pastor of his church, a position that he had no idea that he could fulfil And then as the days and the weeks went on, as he stepped into that role, he starts to tell of some of the miracles that broke out in his town. How he came across a man who was infamous across the country because he had been in prison so many times. He had been the leader in Maori gangs and in committing crimes and acts of violence and murder. (laughs) Brian invites him to church and for some odd reason he comes and there's a miracle. He decides to give his life to Jesus. And then as he does that and he remains a part of the church, miracles began to break out in his life. And today he's a pastor leading the Maori gangs out of their trauma and introducing them to Jesus. He speaks at police conferences about how to handle the violence in gangs across the country. (laughs) But here's my question that I've pondered as I heard Brian's story. Would Brian have seen the miracles happening in his church and in his town if he hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit telling him to make the bed? What do you think? See, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit wants to be heard. How does that happen? Well, it happens when we make a decision to follow what God says. The Spirit speaks as the continuing voice of Jesus. And as Christians, that's what we commit to do. Jesus' first words were, come, follow me. And now that Jesus has gone and sent his Spirit to continue what he started 
Following Jesus looks like listening to what his spirit is saying. And what his spirit is saying is going to lead us into a pathway where we begin to be transformed into God's image such that we become like Jesus and such that like we become fully who we are. We'll begin to know what it is to love our enemies, to be able to do good to those who hurt us, to give to those who take from us, to be kind to those who slander us. See, the way of Jesus is the way of love, the way of truth, but it challenges us to walk differently. I remember as a young woman trying to work out how to do this, and I remember saying to God, what do I need to do? What do I need to do, God, to, to hear your voice clearly? Because I, I want in. And he showed me a verse from John chapter 14, 21, and it says, the person who loves me will do what I say. <laughs> how do we hear God's voice clearly? We make a decision to do what God says. We follow what the Holy Spirit says. We listen to the call to make the bed. And we learn what it is to be like Jesus. And as we do that, as we listen to the Holy Spirit and become transformed from the inside out, that's when we're going to see miracles break up all around us. Can you see the connection? See, we pray for the power of God to be released on our church, don't we? We pray for revival. Bring it on. We want more of God's power. But if we just think that that's all that God gives us without his personhood, it will literally blow us up. We know God personally, and that becomes the basis for seeing good in our community. That becomes the basis for receiving his blessings. And I think it's so significant that even in Paul's life, that man who had followed Jesus all his life had seen miracles break out in the churches around him, incredible acts of power. Towards the end of his life in the book of Philippians, he says these famous words in his letter to the church. In Philippians 3.10, he says, Oh, that I may know him. Yeah? You know God, Paul. No. That I may know him deeper, more. That I may know his personhood, his deep love. That I may fellowship in his sufferings. We usually miss that part out. <laughs> that I may know the fellowship of seeing my sin nailed to death, that I may understand the power of the resurrection on the other side, that as I surrender to the Holy Spirit, I will see the joy and the love and the freedom that rises up in me as I walk with God, becoming like him, Paul said. Is that your desire this morning? Do you want to know God, the knowable God? Through Jesus, the knowable God, through the Spirit. Do you want to know God this morning? Are you hungry to know him? Well, the way to do it is to make a decision to keep following. There's an old song 
and it's been hanging around my head for a couple of years now. It's a song that we often sing when people decide to follow Jesus for the first time. You may have heard it before. I have decided, do you know it? To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. It's a song we sing when we first decide to follow Jesus. But do you know what? I've discovered it's a song we have to keep on singing. The Holy Spirit comes to speak to us, to make us more like Jesus. And he's speaking to us right now. He's calling us to follow. And the more we follow, the more we're going to be able to hear his voice clearly. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we close As we close this weekend and the focus on God conversations and as you continue the journey through the course that Vision is hosting in the next couple of months, I want to challenge you to sing that song and to keep singing it. Because I believe that God has so much more revelation for us. I believe that God wants to speak to every person, young and old, male and female. But the thing that's stopping us is the resistance of us saying no. God may well have spoken to you already to make the bed or its equivalent. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. God may have asked you to forgive that person at work who's been slandering you. God may have spoken to you about being kind to that grumpy neighbour who's driving you up the wall. God may have spoken to you about being generous to that person is taken from you. God may have spoken to you about learning to love your spouse more deeply. God may have spoken to you about letting go of that resentment and that unforgiveness in your life from the past. God may have already have spoken to you and he's asking you to follow. And that's his call today. As we seek to hear his voice. And in a moment, we're going to offer a time of prayer at the front here. This is such a a beautiful opportunity to receive from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray for you along the lines of hearing the voice of the Spirit. And as you receive prayer, if you would like that, we're going to believe that God may even speak through us through a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge or a revelation of the Holy Spirit as we pray for you. But my prayer this morning is that you will know what it is to hear God for yourself. And it begins with a decision to follow. So would you pray with me this morning? Even as I speak, can you echo these words in your heart? Whether you have prayed it for the first time or you've been a Christian for many years, I've decided to follow. Father, we thank you that the way of following you is a way that leads to life. God, that as we lay our lives down in surrender and we choose to live according to your ways, on the other side is a resurrection. There's joy and freedom and love and power and truth and holiness, God. 
God, we surrender to you today. Together, I decide to follow Jesus. Is that your prayer this morning? I will follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, just speak to us now. Stir our convictions. Open our eyes. Can we sing that song again? Don't want to mess with the keyboard. (laughs) I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Amen. I'm going to hand it back to Pastor Andrew now. But what we're going to do is we're going to open up the altar here for an opportunity to receive prayer. So if you, in the crowd, this is your first time you've decided to follow Jesus. Perhaps you haven't really made that decision before. I want to invite you to come down and we're going to pray for you. But if you also want to know what it is to hear God's voice more clearly in your life, you're like me so hungry to know this creator God in clearer ways and you want to be able to know what it is to hear the spirit I'm gonna we want to pray for you as well so why don't you come down and we're going to pray for you as well I want to ask the prayer ministry team to come now if you could just make your way to the front here and face everyone that would be awesome you know who you are so come on down and let me just close our time together I'm going to hand back with Pastor Andrew and Why don't you take the opportunity to come down and receive prayer? Don't be shy. This is um, a moment where we can really experience the heart of God in our own lives. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence. We pray now that your spirit will move amongst us in beautiful ways. We pray that you would speak today, this morning, as we go from this place and in the days to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.